Welcome to the Sisterhood of Limitless Living podcast. I'm your host, Dr. April Moreno. We've returned from a brief seasonal break, and we are now reporting our next batch over the fantastic summer vacation that we're in in the forest. And uh, we're just really excited about sharing these upcoming episodes about wellness, integrative health, and the power of the mind. Today, we are in the middle of the Pacific Northwest in a beautiful forest setting, and we are just getting so much um, rest and uh, recharging and so much inspiration from the forest. The power of forest bathing is serious and it's real, and it is just relaxing just to take time to listen in to the forest. Uh, Today, we're really excited to share our newest episode with Jasmine Leonard, Dr. Tabi. She's a PhD student and she's also known as Health Equity Jazz. And she is sharing her experience and her thoughts, her reflections with us on wellness and taking up space as a woman of color, as a black woman. And her recent uh, experience in self-care and attending the spa. So we really love this. We love being there with her in spirit as we imagined this experience. And we'd love for you to also enjoy this spa way of thinking and uh, whether or not we are really attending or going to a spa and getting our fantastic massage and facial and all those things. But the spa is a state of mind. Really hope that you enjoy this episode and this experience with us. All right. Thank you so much for joining us for this episode of the Sisterhood of Limitless Living podcast. If you're not familiar with the Sisterhood of Limitless Living podcast, we are the multicultural podcast dedicated to integrative and interconnected health through the power of the mind. We've had several iterations over the various seasons. We're currently in season four, and this one has more of a public health um, you know, emphasis to it on integrative and interconnected health. Today, we're speaking with Dr. Jasmine Leonard. Dr. To be, Jasmine Leonard. Dr. To be, yes. <laughs> Thank you. Also known as Health Equity Jazz. She's an authentic space taker in health equity and all that jazz. Welcome, Jasmine. Thank you so much for having me. How are you doing? Doing well, doing well. It's been a busy season, but it's good. Yeah, we're still working on growing this network. And so, you know, small steps along the way. That's all it takes. <laughs> process um but you know we're about two years old now and we'll keep moving forward and so today we wanted to talk to you about your work and you know you recently put out a post about your experience going to a spa and so I really want to talk a little bit more about that how it relates to health equity I want to talk about self-care and things like that as well so um let's start out by you know let's learn more about you tell us more about you and the work that you're doing for health equity Yes, so I am a doctor to be. I am currently a doctorate in public health student at Johns Hopkins Bloomberg School of Public Health. Uh, There, I am an adolescent health fellow, so I really like to focus in on youth and uh, positive youth development. Uh, And I'm also concentrating in health equity and social justice. So I do that. I also work full time and then part time. My passion project is health equity jazz. And so That is my independent consulting where I put out a lot of fun, sometimes provocative things about health equity. Uh, I also have a newsletter that I send out monthly. um, And then I also consult with other organizations that are looking at 
talking about health equity for the first time, some usually, uh, and then also I have some project work that I do with another small business in helping to bridge the gap between health equity and wellness culture and um, trauma-informed approaches and things like that. Thank you. So you're doing a lot of very exciting work. Yes. Work. Okay. So let's talk a little bit more about self-care. You mentioned the work that you do in health equity. So I'm curious, what can you tell us about self-care and why it's important, especially for Black folks? Yes. Okay. So self-care is important for everyone. Um, and it's something that I think we kind of conflate in this world now with wellness and all the initiatives that usually uh, corporations put forth. Uh, but for me, self-care has been really finding out what I need in order to feel like I can have a sustainable life. Uh, so for me, it's been being in therapy, it's been going to acupuncture, um, going to the spa, which was a very new recent thing, um, as well as for me having to take medication in order to deal with depression and anxiety. So I think self-care is all of those things that really you have to sit down and figure out what makes you feel good. Um, and so for Black folk, like it's the most important because I think we are the least likely to indulge in what we define as things that aren't necessary, right? Like we're constantly going through this mental equation of, oh, I don't need that. That's not something that I need to survive. I have other bills to pay. I have this to do. No one in that industry looks like me. Um, and, you know, it kind of just becomes this thing that you don't even tap into until you're unfortunately in a situation where your body is failing, your mind is failing, and you're saying, okay, well, I guess I do need to take care of myself. Um, and I think for Black women, especially, it becomes a situation where we're so used to taking care of everybody else except for ourselves that it's not until we're essentially forced to. Um, and for me, it's been mental health, honestly, being forced to stop and really think about what do I need to do in order to not feel like this. Um, and so it's been a journey. I am definitely still on the journey, but I'm learning so much more about who I am and then also wanting to advocate for people to do the same. Uh, and so that, that's one of the things that I talk about in my newsletter and just one of the things that, like you saw in a post, that I um, continue to kind of bring to the forefront. Mm -hmm. Thank you. Yes, and it is important, important for everyone, especially for Black women, as you mentioned, just based on history, based on what we know in public health, the data. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, there's no mistake. You know, there's no, not at all. <laughs> yeah. So tell us about your recent spa visit. I'm really curious to hear more about this. You know, um, by the way, acupuncture, I won't even do, I'm scared of acupuncture <laughs> and, and I'm Chinese and I haven't done that. <laughs> Well, I will say that I only went at the behest of a friend and she said, it's going to change your life. And I said, is it really? And um, and then also, I think a lot of women that are single mothers by choice and also women that have been doing IVF, they say how important um, acupuncture has been in that journey. Um, and so that's something that I'm planning to do in the future. So it's something that I wanted to start early and essentially tap into. I will say it's not painful. It's just kind of, okay, let me not, it's, I have a high pain threshold. So I'll say that. Um, but it's, 
it's like a little prick and then it's over and you feel so much better afterwards that it's kind of like for those two cu- those couple of seconds you'll take the pain and then know that it's like you're gonna feel great afterwards so okay. um but the spa so I had not been to a spa in I want to say probably like 14 years so it's been a very long time um and I went for my birthday so this was my treat to myself and also very very much something that I don't typically do I like many black women uh, am very used to kind of putting myself second and doing things for everyone else but I said this year I really want to embrace doing something for me first and so I went to the spa I got a two-hour massage and a one-hour hydrofacial um, which was my first facial ever. So very exciting to kind of just go through that process. I see them on TV all the time and I'm like, what's so special about a facial? They're just like washing your face. Um, <laughs> but it's something about the process and just knowing that someone is doting on you and really wanting to make you feel great. And then, I, I don't know, I walked out of the spa radiant. That's just how I felt. I felt like I was glowing. Um, and also I just, it was such a fulfilling time. I was able to really talk to my body and and really just tap into, I think, spaces that I'm not usually in because I'm always go, go, go. Or, you know, there's all the kind of extra things that are in the world that distract you. So um, I was one of the only there might have been another black woman that was in there, but I was one of the very few black women in the spa, um, which I also feel like I, I say I'm a space taker. So I enjoy being in spaces that you wouldn't typically see people like me in. Um, and so it was a great experience. I have told myself that now quarterly I will get a massage or something uh, or facial just so that I can feel like I'm taking care of myself. Um, but yeah, definitely an uncomfortable, but great experience for me. Mm-hmm. Thank you. I know, uh, it's been difficult. I think when I was younger, I used to get my nails done more frequently for some reason, it wasn't a big deal, but these days it's like, do I really want to spend that money? You know, it's, it's not so, like it used to be. Yeah. The nail thing. So I also, when I was in my like late teens, twenties, I always had my nails done. Um, it wasn't even a question for me. It was like, okay, every two weeks I'm getting my nails done and every month I get my toes done. Like that's just what I do. And then it completely fell away from me. I was just like, I, you know, maybe once ever so often I would get my nails done and it just wasn't a priority for me. I was like, I have other things that I need to pay for. It's so expensive. But in the past year, actually, since my birthday last year, uh, I have been getting my nails done every three weeks. And it's kind of that self-care piece, right? That I am taking the time out of my day to get my nails done. And I always get fun designs that make me feel happy when I look at my nails. Um, And so yeah, that's been something that kind of started last year. And I think I'm just building on the self-care aspects now. Mm-hmm. Thank you. Yeah. And I think we forget, right? We forget about how important it is to invest in our self-care, in our wellness yeah. and things that make us happy. And the massage and um, the facials, these things are, there's just so many benefits to it. Like maybe, you know, the time that you spend just not working, first of all. Yes, yes. 
Right. The time that you spend where someone's actually caring for you for a change. And then the whole process of just, you know, caring for your skin, caring for your body. There's just so many benefits. So many benefits. And I I mean, yeah, I, I think it saddens me that there aren't a lot of um, people, people of color in general that really tap into that. Um, and I, when I was doing the post, some of the things that I tapped, like that I wanted to look at were what does the industry look like and what, like who's using this industry um, that is integrative and complementary health. And it's, you know, 80% white and it continues to increase year after year that the white utilization of the, of the health, um, it continues to expand while people of color continues to decrease. Um, and so just even looking at, you know, acupuncture. So you mentioned that you, you're a Chinese and haven't done it. Right. But in the United States, the acupuncturist population is 60% white and then only like 20% Asian. And then, you know, anything under is, is whatever. Um, and so it, it's just all of these things that I think make it harder for people who do not identify as white and who are not white um, to essentially find somebody that looks like you, because I think that's usually the first entree into um, doing something that might be uncomfortable. Like if I see someone who looks like me, my acupuncturist is black. That was a priority for me. And I, I had to make sure. And um, when I went to the spa, you know, the people that were actually doing the care for me, they weren't Black, but people in the staff were Black. And so it kind of helped me feel a little bit more comfortable in a space where there aren't a lot of people that look like me. And, and I think that's part of the disparity that happens because you're looking for someone who can affirm your existence in that space, and there isn't one. Mm-hmm. Thank you. Yeah, that is definitely part of the health disparity I mean, even just from a work workplace, workforce perspective, the things that you mentioned, I wasn't aware. I mean, I had a suspicion, right? But I was not aware that it was like to that scale of a lack of representation, even mm-hmm. when we're looking at traditional oriental, whatever they want to call it, medicine. right? <laughs> you know, the Eastern medicines and things. I mean, we see so much of it in yoga. Of course, I think we're pretty familiar with, you know, the yoga chick, you know, what yeah. you imagine that looks like, right? Yep. Yeah, I will say no more on that. But um, <laughs> yeah, so yeah, the health disparities of that. Um, I guess I would like to talk a little bit more about that even. Um, as you mentioned, the lack of uh, opportunities for us to have a safe place of relaxation, a safe place to unwind and get rid of stress, um, the lack of um, trust. Like, Like you mentioned, like, I don't know if I... You know, just being Chinese, I'm half Chinese, but just being Chinese, going to an acupuncturist that is not Asian makes me very uncomfortable because this is something that is centuries, thousands of years old as a discipline. And, um, you know, to go to someone who may be, you know, white or, you know, someone who just kind of, hey, this seems like a fun idea. um, (laughs) That doesn't that doesn't sound good to me at all right so I don't even trust it I don't trust I mean unless it's someone that's like well like you know well known and well respected that's been like in the field for like decades and decades perhaps then but for the most part no I'm not 
I'm not, I'm just not. Um, yeah. Thank you for sharing that. And, um, yeah. Anything else that you want to tell us about like the health disparity aspect of, of self-care about spa, about wellness? Like, you know, we're not talking gimmicky wellness. Uh, we're talking like yeah. that time to yourself, that time for relaxation. Yeah. I think a lot of, and you know, we spoke about the representation, the distrust, the, uh, I think another thing is like geographic limitation, because another thing that I found in the research is that a lot of well wellness spas that have like massage acupuncture uh, facials and things like that they're geographically centered in areas in which more white people live so by nature you're essentially making it harder for people to go into um go into these areas or have them in their in in their location right but then to me honestly i think the biggest limitation is the price right because none of this is cheap. Um, I don't even want to say how much I spent at the spa, like, but it was something that I needed to do for myself. But I, I know that I'm very privileged in being able to make that choice. Most people can't make that choice, right? And I don't have kids right now. I live by myself. Well, I do have pet kids. So, you know, I don't want to say that Jason Ginger don't count. Um, <laughs> but <That's right. laughs> they very much count. But it's so costly. Um, and so I do think that for people who can't budget that, right, can't budget the nails, can't budget the spa. Um, one thing that I do that honestly has been a game changer for me is I have a slow morning routine. Um, and it's intentionally slow. It's free, right? Because it's something that I just do every morning. Um, and essentially what I do is I, well, at the request of Jason Ginger, I usually am up, um, and I have to feed them first. Okay. Before I can do anything, they have to be taken care of because they're not going to let me sit still after they're taken care of. <laughs> I, uh, take whatever vitamins, supplements, or medicine that I have to take. And then I intentionally got rid of my like fast paced coffee press thing. I, was like, no, I want to really take time. And so I have like a, a kettle, a, a handheld, like manual coffee press. Um, and then I'll either have, I don't drink coffee unless it's decaf um, because caffeine is not my friend anymore as I'm getting older. Uh, so I'll have like cacao or something and that has to steep and, or I'll have tea, right? And that has to steep. So for like 10 minutes, I'm sitting here just kind of, really resting and allowing that to happen and centering myself and then I will I'm currently doing light therapy as a part of my mental health journey and so for then the next 30-40 minutes I'm sitting sitting under my light I'm either reading sometimes writing sometimes it depending on my mood I might be watching tv but that is my time um and it honestly has been a game changer for me because it's like, before I start the day, work doesn't get me. Usually friends don't even get me. I should probably be better about social media not getting me, but you know, it's really just my time. Um, and now that I've been doing it for about three months now, it, it just, it's routine. It's something that I enjoy doing. And honestly, it, it's been the biggest amount of self-care that I've done it consistently in years. And it, it feels great. So all that to say, if you can't budget for the things that 
you know, are, are very costly. I do think that there are free ways that you can think about how to really just pour into yourself before you pour an empty cup into everybody else. Mm -hmm. Thank you. Yeah. And then also, I guess if we kind of plan for it in advance, um, you know, maybe putting aside $20 a month, you know, yeah, be in, you know, in the middle of the year, this is my time to go and get some, um, you know, something nice done, you know, go to yeah. a spa. Um, also, do remember that you mentioned in your post, and I could, you know, maybe I have this a little bit wrong, but you mentioned that even when uh, there are spas, like you mentioned there's a, you know, disproportionate um, space of or provision of these things in certain neighborhoods and not in others, but even when it's in a Black neighborhood, it's not a place where you see Black women. Yeah. Yeah. Because just like there's a disparity in the percentage of uh, prof acupuncturist professionals, there is a percentage or a disparity in the percentage of massage therapists, uh, estheticians, and all of that. And so, yes, you might have this amazing spot in a Black area, but again, if everyone who's providing the service, everyone on staff, they all are white, it's not comfortable unless you are like me and honestly just love to go into places to make white people uncomfortable. Um, but it's not comfortable. And who wants to always be the only person in the room? Um, and so I think that there's definitely a workforce issue in terms of how do we get more people of color to even just know that this is a potential job opportunity, right? Because I think that I remember in school when you're learning all of the, you know, quote unquote jobs that you should be doing, acupuncture is not in that, massage therapy is not in that, like naturopathic medicine, no. Right. Um, and so I think that there's a gap in how we talk about this and in how we prioritize this as something that absolutely could be a viable profession it could be you know something that you do and I don't think that there's anything wrong with a kid growing up saying hey I want to be a massage therapist cool like you could I will be your first client yeah <laughs> so, I think we just have to get better about really being open about how many avenues and jobs are available and how they benefit the community um because if you don't see it, you don't know that it's available. You don't know that it's there. And then we can just, we just continue to perpetuate the inequity. Mm -hmm. Thank you. Um, yeah. So what else would you like people to know in terms of your message, in terms of, you know, how we need to take care of ourselves mentally? Uh, yes. Physically? Uh, what would you like people to know? What is your message? Well, I will first speak to uh, corporations and those who employ people. I think that you are not necessarily helping in the situation. Um, these wellness programs are not the best. They usually are just kind of check the box items. So I think if you really want to be helping employees, if you really want to help improve the overall um, well-being of your population, then think about things like massage monthly massage subscriptions for employees think about um offering you know think looking at your insurance um coverage and having acupuncture be a coverage for the medical benefits uh, another thing recently on um 
the Health Equities Mondays podcast that I do with Omari, we were talking about plants, right? Like there's a lot of plant uh, health that is available just in having greenery in your house, in your office. Um, it actually makes you more productive. It helps your mental health, all of these things. So, I mean, these businesses could also just be giving all their employees plants. We, we live at home or we're in the office, right? Like it's not that expensive and I'm sure they're spending way more money on these wellness, quote unquote, wellness programs. Um, but then for non-employers, I would just say, you know, find what makes you feel good. It's not going to be a one size fits all. You might go to acupuncture and hate it. You might go get a massage and say, I don't know if I like this, but I like facials or I like getting my nails done. I like getting my feet done. Um, or your self-care could be what I have found in the last year is uh, taking care of my plants and getting my hands in the soil and really just being able to see something grow. Um, so there's no one size fits all model for this. We're all going to be a little bit different in how we define our self-care, but it is something that I think everyone needs to find and journey and, you know, think about, meditate on and figure out what is for you. And then the earlier you start, the better, because honestly, I think in being where I'm at now, it, it was a lot harder for me to break the cycle, to to really prioritize myself, to really say that my mental health needs this. Um, whereas if I had started younger, I probably would have been like, who cares? Uh, this is what I do. This is what I need, um, which is what I absolutely love and appreciate about Gen Z. They are very much for them. Um, and I hope that we all can embody that and, and really work on wanting to ensure that our mental health is as strong as it can be, because without that, it doesn't matter how your physical is going. Like yes. it, it, it's the number one. Absolutely. It is a foundation. And for me, I found out a little later, I wouldn't say too late, but I found out when it was already impacting my physical health. Uh, the mm -hmm. mental health was already there, decades of stuff where I wasn't even getting addressed. I wasn't addressing, yeah. I wasn't getting my therapy. And then it started to, you know, take form in autoimmune disease. So, you know, if you're able to catch that early, it's, you know, yes. it's not every situation is the same, but if you're able to catch something before it impacts you physically, you know, all the better, because some of this is long-term, this is not, it's not going away, you know? Yeah. illness stays with you so yeah if you can you know do what you can sooner so much better yeah yeah how can we connect with you and learn more about health equity jazz well you can find me on instagram at health equity jazz i have a tiktok more so just so that my name didn't get taken but i i think i have been posting a little bit there as well um i have a website healthequityjazz.com and uh, you can also subscribe to my newsletter. So there's information on my website, there's information on Instagram. And if you're good with, uh, you know, URLs, it's healthequityjazz.beehive, B-E-E-H-I-I-V.com. Uh, and that's how you can sign up for my newsletter. And like I said, I send out a free monthly newsletter that details how I'm taking care of myself, what my doctoral journey looks like. And usually I try and include something that I'm doing that's fun. Mm -hmm. Thank you so much, Jasmine. It sounds like so much fun. I'm going to get on your newsletter and 
by joining your events. Thank you so much for joining us today. Yes, thank you for having me. Thank you for joining us today for this episode of the Sisterhood of Limitless Living. We hope you enjoyed it. And if you are interested in continuing the practice of wellness and self-care, we invite you to join us for our upcoming workshop on rest liberation for public health. This event is going to be taking place in January and the waitlist is now open. We will be reviewing Rest is Resistance from Trisha Hersey. And we are also going to be including additional texts by authors of color on the topics of wellness and self-care, in addition to public health articles and publications on the topics of workplace wellness and well-being. So we invite you to join us. That's going to take place in January, and the waitlist is now already here, and it's open. So you can join the waitlist at publichealthpodcasters.com slash book dash club. Again, that's publichealthpodcasters.com slash book dash club.